The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at gospelbaptistchurch.com. John chapter 15, verse 17, the, the title is how, I, I put in there, commanded to love. How can I be? It's just been a mystery to me through the years. Really, I say a mystery is something unsolved. Really, it's a solved mystery because the Bible solves a mystery. We live in a day and age that is literally losing their mind in front of us. They're losing their direction. They're losing their moral uh, foundations. And the Bible says the foundations be destroyed. What will the righteous do? The foundations of right and wrong are being destroyed in, in our very presence. John 15, 17, Jesus says these astounding words. These things, you have to read the whole chapter if you want to get the context of it. These things I command you that ye love one another. I just have to ask a simple question. How does that work out, that you can command somebody to love? In 1 John 3.23, John the Apostle, which is by the way called the Apostle of Love, and says, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now in John 15.17, John was there when Jesus said, I command you to love one another. If you love me, you, you, you obey me. My friends obey me, and if you're my friend, you'll do whatsoever I command you and all these other things. So, I mean, you can go look all that up later on, but you can just take my word for it. That's what it says. What in the world was Jesus getting at when he commanded his disciples to love each other? How can you command love? Imagine, man, coming up to your wife this afternoon and say, I command you to love me. So I think that backfired a little bit. I think that backfired, at least in our thinking. We have such a romantic view of love in America. So many love stories, so many romance novels, so many soap operas, so many young girls dream of this prince charming that's going to come by and sweep her off her feet and, and serve her every beck and call. How's that worked out, married girls? <laughs> no wonder there's six divorces out of ten marriages based on that kind of thinking. Based on that kind of thinking, you get what I call the five D's. D's as in David. You get the five D's. Here's what they are. You get disillusionment. You get disappointment. Dissatisfaction, which leads to despair and eventual divorce. Those are the five D's. You came for that, you take it home. And I see it happening over and over and over again. They get up in the morning and seem gloom, despair, and agony on me. 
deep, dark depression, excessive misery. I married this jerk, and I'm sorry I did. <laughs> the problem is they fell in love. Falling in love indicates by the word it's out of control. Most of the time when people fall, it's not by choice. It's not their choice. They don't, they don't make they they fall, it's just whew, they hit something, they trip, they fall. I did not fall in love. And I've been married 46 years. I chose to love. I'm gonna try to teach something that'll change your life. It's Jesus' words. And I hope I can explain it adequately enough. The Holy Spirit will come and help us. Father, help us now. This is so misunderstood today, so skewed. Father, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. We do not understand much of what I just said in America about choosing to love or being commanded to love, partially because we, we have a different definition of the word love. In the Greek, which is the Bible language, Koine Greek, common, common language, Greek ruled for about 300 B.C. to 300 A.D. It was a trade language of the world, similar to what English is today worldwide. The problem with English is we have one word for all kinds of different types of love. There's lots of different types of love. There's at least three different types of love. There's the love that self-sacrifices, or sacrifices itself, and by its very nature gives, sacrificially. Then there's a nature, there's the love of, represented by the word phileo, generally speaking, that is reciprocal love. In other words, if you scratch my back, I scratch yours. You butter my bread, I butter yours. You treat me nice, I treat you nice. And then there's eros, and that's the physical part of the love. The Bible does not have record eros, but it does record the first two. And it's interesting when it does that, how it notes it. Jesus, when he used the word love, I command you to love me, uses the word agape, which is that highest form of love. It is basically a non-emotional love. I know, ladies, this is not going to light your fire. Because ladies are looking, by the very nature of who they are, kind of, and by their, their, their cult, their, often ladies are defined in four dimensions. The twilight zone being the last one. Men are just mostly two, very, that's why we're compared to dogs. You know, a dog, he's happy, you feed him, he wags his tail, you touch his head, he's a good man. That's pretty where we're men are. Women are compared to cats, which one time will bite you, one time will scratch you, one time will love on you, one time will reject you. You know, it's just, it's. The love that Jesus commands to his disciple is not the phileo love. It's not the emotions. It's the, it's the agape love. It's a choice of the will. Oh, I like that. Why? Because I can do that. I can choose. It'd be like, it'd be like uh, Corey. If you want me to emotionally like you, I can't make that happen. I can't make that happen. I can choose, however, to love Corey, as Jesus commanded me to love, but I cannot conjure up emotions that aren't there. I can't fake it till I make it. I mean, that, that, has, to be some super, that has to be some supernatural thing that happens 
that I either have them or I don't have them. I don't know why a lot of times. But agape is something I can do. I like that. And God never guides where he doesn't provide. God doesn't give you, to, God doesn't tell you to do something. He don't supply the power to do it. He says in, in, in uh, Matthew 28, 18, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. Jesus will give you the power to do something he commands. Now, trust me, you have to walk by faith. Sometimes you got to take that first step of faith, and then God will give you the power following the faith. Usually power does not come before faith. It comes after faith. Because after faith, when you get the power, it becomes more sight. And if you have sight, it cannot be faith. Faith is hope without sight. If you see something, why do you hope for it? You see it. God wants you to believe him by his word and take that step of faith. And when you do that, then God comes and he'll reveal himself, always following faith or the, or the choice. Agape love is giving. You can, you can define it often as, as a sacrificial giving. Where it maybe most notably appears is in John 3, 16, for God so agape the world. He so loved the world. What did he do? He gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, and, and there's just verse after verse after verse that shows giving is the way this kind of love expresses itself. In other words, when I choose to agape love, as Jesus commanded me to, what follows that choice is my sacrificial giving. It is the expression of the love. It is not an inactive love. That's why it's more of a verb than a noun. Some people want to say they love you like Jesus loved you, but there's no, it's a noun to them. It's a static thing. It's not an active thing. But loving like Jesus' love is not static. It's active. It's more of a verb than a noun. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave to the Roman tormentors, brother, as our brother taught this morning as they planted a crown of thorns upon him and mocked him and spit on him and forced him to carry the cross for a ways and do all of that, he, he, he chose to love them. He did that to the Jewish hypocrites who were, while that was all going on, were saying, if you be the Christ, why don't you come down from the cross and we'll believe? You saved others. Yourself, you cannot save. They mocked him all the way there. And they didn't leave him alone when they hung him on the cross. They mocked him while he was on the cross. The Bible says people that passed by, because it was right beside the main highway, the Romans wanted lots of people to see what they were doing. And they mocked him. They that passed by said, that's a miracle. We're, you know, all those other things. They, he chose to love them. The ruthless mobs. He chose to love these people and continued to give himself and did not come down from the cross for their sake. Makes sense of the Garden of Gethsemane to me. Where he said, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but as thou will. Basically what he was saying is, I'm going to go ahead and give myself, though my emotions and everything in me wants to rebel against that. How do I know that? The Bible says he sweat as it were drops of blood. 
he was, he was, he was a just, you can tell by reading the passage of the Gethsemane where his Bible says he went three times and said those things and he threw himself on the ground. He was in a, he was in a, a, a distraught condition emotionally, but trust me when the Bible says for God so loved you, if it would have been based on emotions, we would never be able to spend eternity with him or be saved. It was based on agape love. He made a choice to love us and to save us, if I may add to it, in spite of ourselves. If people, when they got married, understood this kind of love and said, this is why I'm getting married. I like the way the Jews get married. People ask me a lot of times, how could you ever have arranged marriages where you you didn't see the guy, and you know you meet him. You get me. It's because the Jews chose to love. They didn't have to have the Gentile. The Jews believed in what God was doing through their parents and whatever, and they went together and they chose to. They chose. They made a choice, and the Jews believed that after your choice. The phileo love followed. In other words, what they believed is if you if you made the choice to do the right thing, then the emotional love followed it. Gentiles, emotional love precedes it and oftentimes controls the decision-making. And man, emotions can lead you down the wrong road. You see that, man, you see that beauty, and she, she can do no wrong. She walks on there. She's got wings on her back. She is the most gorgeous thing you ever looked at, but she is Jezebel! Rhyming with hell! It's a higher love. Jesus commanded us to love with, really, if I may say it this way, I'm trying to just get a point across, maybe over... uh, saying this in a way you're not used to hearing it, but he asks us to love in spite of our emotions. Or if I may say, without our emotions. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I. But Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wife even as Christ loved the church and did what? Gave himself for it. Ephesians 5.2 says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us. 2 Thessalonians 2.16 says, Now, Our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation, good hope, true grace. Jay Adams, in a book titled What to Do When Your Marriage Goes Sour, which you newlyweds, I'm sure, will never have to read, says that you can learn to love. It's a learned, see if it's emotion, you can't learn it. You don't learn emotion. Motion comes, motion goes. Motions are fickle. Sometimes I get up, I don't want to come to church. Imagine that. Look at some of these empty seats. They gave in. 
Sometimes I want to do what's right. Sometimes I don't, but that's my emotions coming and going, and I already know my emotions are fickle, and I'm not going to obey my emotions because I made a commitment. Jesus, I made a commitment to him, an agape choice that he was my Lord and Savior. Why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not those things which I command you? And so I said, okay, Lord, whatever you say, I'll do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. And boy, sometimes it's door to door. Sometimes I feel bad. I don't want everything in me. says, don't go. But I know it's right to go, so I go. My life is based on principles of right and wrong, not on a bunch of fluid emotions. God forbid that you are tossed about by every wind of emotions. Uh, you want to go to church today? You, feel like, you feel like going? Well, I guarantee you, you won't feel like going half the time. You want to read your Bible? You won't feel like it half the time. But if you do what Jesus says and make a choice to say this is do or die, choice, he'll empower you to keep those commitments. He'll help you to do it. If love is a choice, then you can learn to make good choices. And the scenario goes similar like this. I choose to love God. He gives me the power to do it. And then I receive the feeling of gratification I have obeyed. You see the order. I choose. He gives power. I get the satisfaction or gratification. Now, in this world, this world's way is emotions, gratification, choice. That's why their marriages are failing left to right. And I hate to say Christian marriages are also failing because they've been infected by the world's philosophy. But if you'll do what Jesus, and if you'll read the Bible, and if you'll base your decisions on what's right and principle, you will make the decision, God will give you the power, and then you'll get the gratification, you'll get the satisfaction that those right decisions have following them, but they follow. They don't proceed. When I decided to marry Kathy Lytale, or Kathy Moore at the time, I decided to marry her. It was not based on the way she looked. It was not based on the, on, it was, I had, I had known her long enough. I felt she was God's woman for me. And I said, this is the woman I'm going to spend my life with by the grace of God. I have no power to do any of this. But in, in God's grace, I, I commit, I, I exclude all other women of the world for her. Even when she gets old. I don't dump her when she gets 50. When she loses her hourglass and it goes to pear. When the hair goes from dark black to white to back to black to purple to blue. Hey, let me tell you, God keeps his word. The sweetness of being with only one woman all these years is beyond description, to be honest with you. It's beyond description. It's sweeter. It's, 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 it's aged. It's like aged beef at the Brazilian steakhouse. Let me give you another example. I've been working on marriages. How about where Jesus says to love 
your neighbor. Now, you know that's the second greatest commandment, Matthew chapter 22, verse 39. He says, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I know he's not talking emotions because I don't. you may not even know your neighbor. Uh, you may not even see your neighbor much. And by the way, when you do meet him, you may not like him off the bat. You may not agree with him. But he didn't mention all. He didn't mention any conditions around that. He says, "Love your neighbor as yourself." Second greatest commandment. He didn't mention who the guy was, who the girl was, who they were. He said, "Love them." Now, it's got to be a choice. It can't be emotions because it can't make my emotions love some jerk that moves beside me. Or somebody that lets their dog bark till eleven o'clock at night. Or plays rock music till I gotta call the cops. Or send a few rounds over their building. I got a solution, however, for anybody that plays rock and roll music longer than you want them to after you've tried every means possible. This gives you some big amplifier or big amp speakers and play Amazing Grace and they'll shut it down. How do you love somebody like that? Well, you can help them. You can pray for them. You can encourage them. You can protect them. You cannot steal from them. You, you, you decide not to hurt them in any way, and, and you tell them the gospel. That is fulfilling the law of love. You give yourself for it. If they get in trouble, you loan to them. If they need something, you give it to them. If you protect their property, if you have neighborhood watch, you help them. If somebody's trying to steal them, even though he may have told you you're a jerk, he may have cussed you out, he may have... He may have done he may have things he may have stolen from you. The Bible says unconditionally love your neighbor. It's got to be a choice. It can't be emotions. And you know what happens? If you begin to love your neighbor in choice pretty soon, oftentimes the power of God will come and cause you to actually begin to have emotions. For your, you'll begin to like your neighbor. You'll actually begin to like your neighbor. It's pretty amazing how God will cause it. And by the way, the neighbor can't believe that you put up with them and it's still, and so they begin to warm up to you. It's possible. I've seen it happen. Begin to appreciate him, begin to emotionally like him, and maybe even a friendship, all because you obeyed God's command. Then the third example I'm going to give you, I've had marriage, and you love your neighbors yourself, and the third command about this type of love is maybe the hardest of them all found in Luke chapter 6, 27, 28, where Jesus said, by saying to you, which hear. Love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Whew. That's probably some of the hardest commands in the whole scripture. Why? It goes against our emotions. Unbelievable. It goes against our emotions. Now let me say, if Jesus said, Corey, that you're to love those who hate you and curse you and are mean, I'm picking on you today, and curse you, how much easier it is to love your wife? Right? I mean, if you can, if you're supposed to love those who hate you and supposed to love those who curse you and supposed to love those who are mean to you, that means you give yourself for them sacrificially, how much easier it is to love your wife? Some of you come to me and say, I don't like my wife anymore. I'm not in love with her. Well, shut up. Stay married and help her. 
Quit whining. I want to go where we're at. No whining. Hey, I took vows, most of you did, for better or for worse. They come in my office for sympathy. I say, don't, you ain't getting no sympathy for me. This is worse. They're hoping I say, yeah, you can leave her and get another one. It's okay. No, you're not going to get that from me because I'm going to go to the Bible. Because my life's not based on emotions. It's based on principles of right and wrong. The Bible says to stick with them till death do you part. Better for worse, sickness and health, richer for poor. Some of them come in to me and I'll say, look, this is poor. I just believe there's a God. I really believe there's a God. I really believe Jesus is God's manifest in the flesh. I really believe that there's power in the blood. I don't just sing about it. And consequently, you know what? I believe God can help you love, learn to uh, phileo love, even like your enemies. How you do that? Well, begin to pray for your enemy. You got an enemy? Everybody's got enemies. You got enemies? Pray for them. Every day. Pray for them more than you pray for your mother, your dad, your brother, your sister. Start praying for your enemies. I've done this. I practice this. This is not theory at my age. And, and so you begin to pray for them. On vacation, I take my enemies and I pray for them. I don't even get away on vacation from that. Pray for my enemies on vacation. God bless them. Help them. Help them do well. I don't pray, I hope they die a slow, miserable death. I don't pray that. Prolonged illness. I don't pray any of that. That's not what it means by praying for your enemies. I, I, I give, send gifts to them. Oh, this is going to hurt you. You got an enemy that you dislike. Usually it's family. Oh, it's family. Brother, sister, aunt, uncle. This, this is family. Send them something. Send them a $50 gift certificate. Send them flowers. Tell them you're praying for them. Not to die a slow, miserable death, but you're praying for them that they get saved. Visualize. This is it now. Visualize how you've betrayed God. Visualize how when you knew what was right, you did not do it. You, you willfully chose to go the other way. Visualize how bad you are. All of a sudden, your enemies aren't so bad. Because in many cases, we condemn the very things that we have done. But it looks worse in you than it does me. You know, when I see it in you, I say, that Corey boy. And I think, man, I did worse than that. Understand that there go you, but by the grace of God. We're so confused. We think we love by some mystical, magical formula placed on us by Cupid. He's going to shoot an arrow. True biblical love, please understand the words here. I'm just trying to get it through the darkness. True biblical love is cold, calculated decision of the will. Don't take the word cold badly. I thank God, Jesus went against his will. Even the one against his emotions, excuse me, and chose by his will to go to Calvary. 
Praise God, he didn't give in to the, to, the, to, the, to the emotions that drove his blood pressure up and made him sweat as it were great drops of blood. With the devil saying, you don't have to do this, you're the son of God. With one word, you can call ten legions of angels. What's God asking you to do? He said, John 15, 17, I command you love. I hope when you read that next time you say, you know what, I can do this. I can't do it in my own power. Look, the Christian life cannot be, this kind of love, this cannot be done in the flesh. This cannot be done by the flesh. We need, we're born again believers here this morning, need the power of Almighty God to fulfill the words of God. But they're there, and it can happen. You know, fear, anxiety, laziness, discomfort, embarrassment, and attitude, cold sweats, all of that will come on sometimes when you choose to obey principle. You say, I don't know, I can't do it, I can't. No, you can't do it, but God can do it through you. Will you have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, a piece of sand, to believe that there is a God and He's powerful enough to fulfill His word? But I don't see it. Yes, you don't see it, but you will if you believe. Sight follows faith. It doesn't precede it. People say, well, if God showed himself to me at the end of the bed, I'd believe. You will never believe. And you will never be saved. Because it's by grace are you saved. Through faith. Because that's God's way. You love God today? I love God, Brother Bill. I hate my neighbor. You don't love God. You don't love God. Don't you don't you give me all this Jesus talk? A lot of people talk Jesus. Boy, they talk Jesus, 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 Bible, Jesus. They hate their neighbor, hate their relatives, hate their mother, hate their father, hate their this, hate that. That is, you are a hypocrite of hypocrites. Now, remember, remember, this kind of love's not fuzzy and warm. I said cold, but it's real. There's been people that I started praying for that everything in me said, I hope they die today. But I said, that's the flesh talking. Bill, praise God, God didn't have that attitude towards you. And so I said, oh, you know, that was wrong to feel that way about him. Forgive me, and, and would you help them today? And those words kind of want to stick about right there. Would you <laughs> help them today? Do you love your neighbor? Do you love your neighbor? How about your enemies? <laughs> this saved more marriages. This is the cure. This is how you can stay married to the same person your whole life. Now, I realize in our country, it takes two. But by the grace of God, if two people decide to have this kind of love, I have seen, a lot of times men get a bad rap because sometimes we're really bad. And all the women said, that's right, we deserve it. But I've seen men take care of their Alzheimer's women 
when they had to bathe them and wipe them and clean up after them. And the women would wander off and had to keep their eye on them every minute and clean their own house and cook their own food and did their own laundry and, and did everything for 10 years. Let me tell you, she was given nothing back to him. Nothing back to him. What was he doing? Tell me that was emotions that did that. It was a choice. Many of you knew him, Jim Till. It was talked about Jim Till. Jim's in heaven. His wife's in heaven. I've seen people come to this church. I've been here long enough. I've seen people come to this church in their right mind. Like most of you. And I've seen him leave with no mind. I've seen him come knowing who people are, knowing who their husband is, knowing who their wife is, and leave not knowing who their wife was, not knowing who their husband is, not knowing anything. The ravages of Alzheimer's or dementia. And I've seen a spouse, sometimes a woman, sometimes a man, pick the mantle of love up and say, this is mine. I'm going to love if I get nothing back. Oh, dear one, there's great reward in that. There's satisfaction in that. And God himself will come to you and help you in that. I hope you do not are not deceived by the myriad of false preaching on love that the world is doing. By every one of their love songs, almost by every one of their TV shows and movies. They're preaching. They're preaching. Don't believe it. Read your book. Jesus said, I command you to love one another. Father, help us this morning to digest this, to accept it as truth because it's Bible, and then to decide to make it our own, to ingest it. And spiritually say, I will be willing, and I'm willing. Look, and maybe in marriages, but in friendships, this is true. This is true for commitment to Jesus Christ. This is true for commitment to the local church. This is true to commitment to the lost people of the world, that you're going to the world and preach the gospel to every creature, feel like it, don't feel like it, hot, cold. It's just a decision. It's the right thing to do. I'm going to do it. Until I perish in the doing. And you'll have done nothing but Jesus didn't do for you when he perished in the doing for you. Father, help us this morning make a decision to live for Jesus. Make a decision to be, to be where we should be spiritually. We'll drift away without it. We'll fall away without it. We will fail without it. We have to have love. You have to have this kind of love. Why? Because God is love. He is this kind of love. Help us to reflect it, Father, as your children, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.